They're back again tomorrow. Coming up on tonight's show, we'll be chatting doping and cycling once again. Uh, Professor Ross Tucker will join us. We'll also talk about the Premier Hockey League, which concluded this past weekend. Rassi Peterson, uh, the South African goalkeeper, will be chatting about that. And we'll also chat to the brand new CEO of Tennis South Africa. He was appointed today, Richard Glover. That's all coming up between now and 7 o'clock. In football news, Lamontville Golden Arrows have uh, rubbished reports that they've sacked coach Clinton Larson. According to newspaper reports this morning, Larson had a fight with players at training last week, but Chief Executive Officer of Golden Arrows, Gordon Masondu, has rubbished those claims. All that is hogwash. There is nothing like that, bro. I mean, how the hell can that happen when the coaches uh, and the team, I mean, is occupying the first spot on the log, then they get rid of the coach. And the Arrows, I mean, uh, we are working from offices. We're not operating from the boot of the cars as if uh, we are operating for the shops. Uh, we know what we're doing here, and uh, we respect our coach, we respect our brand. We'll never do something like that. Three games look forward to in the Premiership tonight. Orlando Pirates have the chance to go top. They host Platinum Stars, Maritzburg United. Welcome Polokwane City and Cape Town City away to Highlands Park. In England's uh, football, it plunged into turmoil once again. The FA investigating investigations that England managed to Sam Allardyce use his role to negotiate a £400,000 deal. Also reported that Big Sam offered advice on how to bypass rules in, uh, on player transfers. On to rugby, Springbok coach Alistair Katsia says the squad's been working hard ahead of this weekend's Castle Lager Rugby Championship test against Australia at Loftus Fashfeld. The box have won just one test this season, uh, or one Castle Lager Rugby Championship test rather this season, and Katsia says they've had a long, hard look at themselves and they know where they need to improve. Uh, I think we'll be better. It is, uh, uh, you know, bits and pieces getting better, but also then it's the kick chase that's not good enough. And, and uh, especially when we had a couple of tight far forwards defending, you know, alongside each other uh, with great steppers and runners, it's always going to be difficult. But uh, I'm sure that uh, you know, Sean has put in some uh, hard analysis on it and uh, some more work to be done by tomorrow. I'm confident that we will get that. The coach says even though New Zealand have clinched to the title, there's still a lot to play for. The mood in the camp is positive, and. Uh, and we're looking forward to this week. Obviously, it hasn't gone the way we've planned, but we have to reset our goals again. And there's still a lot to play for in this competition. Already, you know, credit to New Zealand for clinching the Rugby Championship 2016. But as a group, we, we still have our ambition is still there. We have uh, objectives, like I said, and hopefully we can start this weekend at Loftus. On to some cricket now. Bad news for the Proteas. AB de Villiers out of the upcoming tour of Australia, uh, as well as the ODI series on South African soil. He requires surgery on his elbow. Riley Rousseau will remain with the Proteas for the five-match ODI squ- uh, series, which starts on Friday in Centurion. Speaking of the Australians, they hammered Ireland in Benoni earlier today. Nine wickets in the margin of victory. Batting first, Ireland dismissed for 198 in the 44th over. Usman Khawaja top scored with an unbeaten 82 at the top of the order to guide Australia home. Coming up next, we'll chat some tennis. SAFM Sports Wrap. Well, on to some tennis now here on SAFM Sports Wrap. And uh, as you heard in the news today, Tennis South Africa making uh, a big announcement earlier today that they've appointed Richard Glover as uh, the new chief executive officer of uh, the organization. And he joins us now. Richard, welcome on to SAFM Sports Wrap. Thanks for, for your time this evening. First of all, congratulations on your appointment. 
Thank you, Brad. I'm, I'm very excited. I started on the 1st of October, and I'm, I'm chomping at the bit to get started because I think it's a, it's, it's a huge a sport with huge potential. Yeah, absolutely, and, and you must be pretty excited. You, you talk about huge potential. You, you've almost got this this blank canvas to to try and, and grow things uh, within the sport. There's there's lots of people that do play it, and, and, and let's be honest, there hasn't been too much happening uh, from a, a South African tennis perspective over the last few years. So you, you've got the opportunity to really put your your stamp on things. Yeah, very much so. I, I think it's, it's it's just as I say, it's got huge potential. And, and, and the reason I say that is, is for, well, there's a number of reasons why they say that. But, but if you look at the foundations of the sports in this country, it's it's a sport in really good shape. Strong junior program, a really strong senior program. I think we've got a, one or two world champions in seniors tennis. So so, and it's it's also a, a sports or federation that seems to have a very good track record of corporate governance. So you combine that, and then you look at um, some of the data and research that I've been looking at. From a from an audience perspective in this country, and this surprises people when I tell them, but the number one tennis fans in this country are are black females based in Gauteng between the ages of 16 and 34, and for me that's incredibly exciting. That's an incredibly exciting framework to 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 build the sport on. Richard, your, your background, you spent some time with uh, with Arsenal Football Club. You, you've also done some work uh, with uh, with Cricket South Africa as well as uh, a marketing company, which you, you I'm guessing you, you're leaving to, to take up this role where you've done work with the Sharks, also uh, EFC as well as Comrades Marathon and, and SA Hockey Federation as well. From a, a marketing perspective, what do you think can be improved on to, to, to make tennis in South Africa sexy and, and, and getting more and more people to, to buy into, into tennis in, in this country? Yeah, that's that's actually an excellent question, and I could spend the next half an hour talking about it. Um, I, I think in, in in very very simple terms, there's a couple of things that we need to look at from a tennis perspective. One is is, is we need to really tell the tennis story better, and we need to tell um, and focus on really the positive things that are happening in tennis, because there are a lot of positive things that are happening on a daily basis. That's the first thing. The second thing is is, is we really need to look at the different products that tennis offers from an event perspective and, and really understand where our market is and what our market wants and make sure that the, the tennis products that we're offering are, are really aligned to that market. And for me, those are really the, the two um, starting points to really grow the game from a brand and marketing perspective moving forward. Looking at, uh, you mentioned you're chomping at the bits, 1st of October. What, what is it that you, you, you really want to get your, your teeth sunk into, so to speak? What, what's, what's first on the agenda for you? Um, first on the agenda is learning. I think the, the first thing that I've learned in, 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 on taking this job is that I've got a lot to learn. I don't come from a tennis background, which is I think is both a negative, but I think it's also very much a positive as well. So it's, it's very much focused on learning. It's about getting out there, meeting people at all levels of tennis, and, and really listening to them and understanding what their challenges are and what their views on, on the way forward with tennis are. And then it's, it's really building on that and, and, and really creating a, a culture of collaboration throughout tennis in South Africa. Richard, I, <laughs> I'm going to ask this question. If, if a lot of people look and, and think of sporting federations, and, and it's not just in South Africa, I think it's a, a global thing, and they think of, of administrators who, who run the show at, at various sporting federations, and if you think about it, you, the first thing that comes to mind is old, and you're not old by any stretch of the imagination. You're, I believe you're 40. Uh, do you think that's a, a massive advantage for you in this role? Uh, that's, a, that's a very interesting question. Um, well, I, I hope so. I think I'm, I'm probably at the right stage of my life where I'm, I've still got some, some youthful energy and youthful ideas, but that's also hopefully been, been tempered by um, quite a bit of experience, both experience in the UK but experience in South Africa as well. So I, I, I do think it's, it's, speaking from a personal perspective, I'm probably at the right age to, to take this job on and hopefully help take tennis forward.
it's interesting too because obviously things have changed and, and with the advent of technology there's there's lots of competition across not just tennis but various sporting codes and you're also then competing with a whole bunch of other things too. Do you think technology has a role to play in, in building the sport in South Africa? How do you how do you envisage getting youngsters involved? Is uh, I mean what what's where do you see it going there in South Africa? No, I mean, I think technology and, and social media platforms and, and digital platforms are absolutely crucial to, to the sport, but to any sports in this country moving forward. I think I, I obviously referred earlier to some data about number one tennis fans in this country being 16 to 34 black females. Um, and, and if you look at that audience, I mean, social media especially and, and digital technology is, is really a critical way of, of reaching and engaging that audience. You also mentioned the good news stories that are, are coming out of, of South Africa almost daily, and, and we've got, uh, obviously, there's, there's players on, on the world circuit, but there's some, some great youngsters coming through too. Uh, what sort of support will Tennis South Africa be giving those youngsters to, to help them sort of shine on, on the global stage? Yeah, uh, I mean, really that, that support has to, has to be on a number of levels, but one of the most critical elements of that support is obviously financial, because to become a professional tennis player... Um, and to compete on the global scale and to break into the top 100 rankings on the men or women's side and does take a, a lot of investment, not just in time and coaching, but also money. And really one of my key priorities or key focus areas that I've been tasked with by the Board of Tennis South Africa is really to look at the commercial strategy for the business and how we can increase revenue um, into the business. And obviously, if, if that does happen, as I was, I'm hoping it will, some of the, obviously a degree of that revenue will then be invested in, in, our, in our junior structures and our junior players, which will hopefully help them in, in order to make the breakthrough in, in, into the, the global circuit. What do you think is the biggest challenge facing tennis in South Africa right now? Well, I think, I think there's multiple challenges. I, th I think the biggest challenge is, is probably, like most federations in this country, is financial. Um, and that's really what one of my key, as I said, one of my key focus areas is, is, um, is going to be. Um, there's, a, there's a, a very famous quote by, I think, Eric Schmidt, who's the executive um, chairman of Google, and he says, revenue solves a lot of problems. And I think that, that's equally true. And as I say, if I can, with, the, with help from others within, within tennis circles, start to bring more revenue into the federation, I think it'll, it'll be a big challenge solved moving forward. Absolutely. Richard Glover, thank you so much for joining us this evening on SAFM Sports Trap. We look forward to working with you and chatting to you in the years to come and uh, watching tennis grow from strength to strength. It's a fabulous sport. And, uh, yeah, we want to see more and more South Africans on that uh, global stage flying the, the flag for South Africa. Thanks for your time tonight. Thanks, Brad, and we appreciate your support. My husband has never been the romantic type. He has always been forgetful of important days in my life. So the other day when he asked me to meet him in a park, I didn't think much of it until I got there and realized that he had prepared a special picnic for the two of us. Then I remembered that it was our 40th anniversary. It was beautiful. <laughs> Remember to sit on the summer fun this September. Sunday nights are boogie nights with gospel classics at 8, while Pastela is back at 6 p.m. on Fridays on SABC2. Hashtag your people, your summer. Records were played by having the political microphone next to the speaker of the of the gramophone. SAFM celebrates 80 years of keeping you in the know. The calamity which so many of us had considered unthinkable, that of another great war within a few decades of the end of the last world war, that calamity is upon us. 
Professor Barnard, at this stage, it's hardly necessary to say congratulations because we've seen the telegrams on your desk already. And we heard your secretary mention that the Prime Minister's telegram has just arrived. But I think I echo the thoughts of all South Africans today to say a very, very hearty congratulations. Rugby in this country has certainly uh, sunk into an abyss of mediocrity. It would be foolish to think that we are unlikely to have any troubles caused by the demonstrators on our 1970 tour. And it will be a great pity if the English public are denied their right to see our team because of the actions of a minority group. SAFM and the SABC celebrates 80 years of broadcasting. This is Sport on SAFM, every supporter's greatest resource. You're listening to South Africa's news and information leader, and if you've been following field hockey in South Africa over the last uh, month or so, you'll have known that this past weekend saw South Africa's inaugural Premier Hockey League wrap up at uh, the Randberg Astro in Johannesburg. It was a uh, by all accounts, a very successful first edition. I think it's going to grow from strength to strength and uh, will do great things for South African hockey in the long run, I do believe. And we join now by uh, one of the members of uh, the men's team that was victorious this past weekend. And uh, a great pleasure to welcome on to uh, SAFM Sports Trap this evening, Rusty Peterson. Rusty, welcome. Thanks for joining us tonight. Thank you very much, Brad. Russell, you're part of the, the, the successful Murrupin Cavemen team. You must be pretty chuffed, first of all, just on the team's performance uh, over the, uh, the Premier Hockey League uh, season. Uh, solid. Uh, you chuffed with, uh, with the win? Yes. I mean, it was, a, it was a short journey, but it was a great journey. I mean, it's a, it's a great initiative by SO Hockey and, and Sport Recreation, the PHL, trying to, you can say, almost revive hockey. They're talking about the hockey revolution. And uh, it was quite exciting. I'm sure people that watched the the games on TV and in the stadium would say, you know, this is this is something that, that hockey needed. And, you know, to come through that tournament and being victorious and winning the first PHL, yeah, it's just just, just amazing. Rusty, you've been around the sport. I'm not going to give away your age, but you've been around for a while. Uh, <laughs> is, would you say this is probably one of the, the most exciting things you've seen in SA hockey in, in your career? No doubt, no doubt. From from the start, uh, one of the first reporters said, you know, what do you think about the league? And it, no, no doubt, it's... The most exciting thing that's ever happened to SA Hockey. I think this is this is what we've needed. You know, the players have always asked for a, a kind of professional setup and a professional tournament, um, and this is what it is. You know, the from from the start it was quite exciting with having a draft system. You know, players couldn't choose where they wanted to play, so it was quite exciting to see how players getting drafted. Uh, every franchise, there were six franchises. Every franchise had four marquee players. It was basically four national players and we got split up into different teams and then from there they selected players from all over the country so so it is excellent and I can only see you know this is going to grow um, I, I can only see this being sustainable and hopefully we'll see more commercial sponsors you know uh, joining us and, and, and take hockey definitely to the next level. It's been an, an interesting year for, for SA Hockey. Obviously, it was an Olympic year and, and the build-up to the Games, both the men's and ladies' teams uh, bitterly disappointed not to go to Rio. But th- this is a, a bit of a, a light, I don't want to say light at the end of the tunnel, but uh, a, a bit of a positive in, in what could have been a very negative year for SA Hockey. No, for sure. I mean, it was very sad we didn't go to the Olympics, but I mean, this has just showed... You know that that SA hockey and, and sport recreation is, is building to something better for us for in the future. You know everybody's talking about SA hockey as being a sleeping giant, and when I say everybody, I'm talking about world hockey. You know I always use the example of you know Germany. You know they won gold medals in Beijing Olympics and London Olympics, and they got 60,000 hockey players. 
where South Africa's got over 120,000 hockey players. So it's just getting the right structures in place. You know, and having tournaments like this and, and making sure more people is playing hockey after school um, and having a bit of a carrot out there. This is exactly what this league is. So I can definitely see this going to going to bigger tournaments and starting to win medals. So no, no doubt this is, this is very exciting for us. Rossi, you talk about those numbers, and, and for someone who's not involved in hockey, I mean, those numbers should excite the living daylights out of the, the South African sporting public because the, the potential is there. And, and, and is it as simple as just putting the right structures in place? You mentioned how many how many people play at, at school level. I, I mean, literally almost every school in, in South Africa has got a hockey team, but people aren't going on to play uh, club hockey, and, and that's where our national team feeds from. So uh, is, is it as simple as, as doing things like this to, to, to get more people playing after school and after varsity in order to, to feed into the national team and in order for us to win Olympic medals and, 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 and sort of World Cup medals? No, for sure. I think, I think the biggest problem is, you know, what, what happens after school is a lot of kids stop playing hockey uh, because there's no real big professional club structure or, you know, if you get a brochure at a university, you know, it's quite interesting for you to carry on playing hockey. But then the problem after is, you know, hockey players in South Africa retire at the age of 22 or 23 because they have to start with serious jobs. You know, and to take leave and use every weekend for your hockey, it becomes a little bit tough. So if, 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 if this can start turning hockey in a professional kind of way, where we can have players, you know, don't have to worry about their day jobs, just concentrating on the sport, then of course, and, and having these structures in place, you know, and having sponsors on board, you know, it all starts with the money. You know, unfortunately, you need funding to put a proper structure in place, you know, to start winning medals. So, so hopefully this is now the, uh, the, the tournament that can put this wheel on the roll and, and hopefully we can see bigger things. Um, right. The main thing is, sorry, no, the main no. thing is that hockey, hockey will be on TV uh, they, uh, for the next five years. I, I believe they sign a contract with Supersport for the next five years. You know, hockey will be on TV. So, so that, that's already that's a great mm. start. Yeah, absolutely. Particularly when you are looking for corporate sponsors. Let, let's talk about the, the, the level and, and standard of play in this. We, we've seen a lot of your, your national team teammates going and applying their trade in professional leagues in, in Europe. As far as the, the, the level of competition in, in the first PHL, is it up there? Is, is there lots of room for improvement or are we definitely on the right track? No, definitely. I mean, it's, you know, if you think about it, you know, you always see, you know, like, like smaller, smaller, uh, 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 provinces that's not always that strong you know there's a lot of players that just disappear a lot of good players because they're not playing probably in strong teams you know I, I just use a prime example you know on, on Sunday night after a game we were sitting in the change room you know one of the guys put up his hands and said you guys you know what this is actually my first gold medal I've been playing you know varsity hockey for a long time I've been playing for my province for a very, very long time but where I come from you know I've never won a medal actually so, so then you actually realize you know and this guy was one of our you know key players and then you realize, you know, what, what kind of opportunities it's giving to a lot of players out there. The, the, the standard was, I was a little bit worried about how the first weekend's going to go because, you know, the players just met two days before the tournament. Uh, the players had to feel themselves out first in the first weekend. Uh, and then the second weekend, I mean, players just started jamming. There's, of course, a lot of video analysis happening. And then, and then you can just look at all the games. I mean, all the games was close, you know. <clears throat> Most of the games were like only one goal. Uh, you know, three, two, two, one. Those are the kind of results. So it was very exciting. And even though the final, I mean, anybody could could have won the tournament on the night.
Yeah, absolutely. And I think that the franchise and, and sort of draft system's got a lot to do with that. Rusty, thank you so much for your time this evening. Uh, congratulations once again on the win. And uh, yeah, we look forward to, to seeing how this does, does grow. And, and let's hope it, it takes SA Hockey from strength to strength and, and puts it up there on the world stage where, where it, it rightly uh, deserves to belong. Join us this Thursday on Top Billing as the little guy says, I'm a survivor on International Rhino Day. Letty and Boy Ngoveni throw a party worthy of 26 years of happiness. Freediving filmmaker Hanley Prinsloof is a mermaid making waves in conservation. And the best Mexican and South African cooking comes together in a food fiesta. Catch Top Billing this Thursday night at 8 on SABC3. Agriculture. Growing crops and raising livestock for human consumption and use. That is our focus on planting the seeds, SAFM's insert on the world of farming. Tune in weekdays at 5 a.m. with me, Asanda Matsaunyane, as we talk agribusiness, agricultural engineering, agroecology, and much more. Planting the seeds on South Africa's news and information leader, SAFM. SAFM Sports Wrap. You're listening to SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. And as you heard on PM Live yesterday afternoon, Bradley Wiggins coming out and defending his use of uh, some asthma medication as part of uh, a therapeutic use exemption. I see today that uh, head of Team Sky, Sir David Brailsford, has come out saying that he didn't know the doping reputation of uh, the asthma drug. Uh, it's becoming very, very interesting. And uh, we haven't spoken about uh, doping in sport for a while here on SAFM, and I thought we'd uh, get Professor Ross Tucker back on the show to, to touch on this one. And I'm uh, bitterly disappointed because I was almost starting to believe uh, in things again, but uh, not looking good. Uh, Ross, thanks for joining us once again this evening. Uh, the, the latest revelation with these uh, Russian leaks, it's, it's not looking good. It's a case of where there's smoke, often there is fire. Yeah, and in this case, even Brad, I'd say there's more than just smoke. You know, I, I would I would say that there's been smoke for the last three or four years around some of the things that are being alleged, questioned, suspected. But this, this to me, while not yet um, conclusive proof of anything illegal, certainly asks many questions about everything else that they've said before, they being Sky in this particular instance. And there are so many patterns that seem to be repeating themselves from what we've seen in the past. And as you said there, uh, people who followed cycling since the 1990s would have seen certain things and they would have recognized behaviors of doping. And then you hope that when Lance gets caught and confesses towards the end of 2010, 2011, thereabouts, that that would be changed. But now you're, you're sort of being pulled back into that and you're saying, but actually, you know what? It doesn't look like that much has changed. We, we don't know yet as much as we did then, but we now know a lot more and, and it's not a uh, believable picture. Mm. You say that, that, that things haven't changed much. Obviously, one of the things that, that's become, I think, a lot more prevalent is the use of these therapeutic uh, usage exemptions. For, for, for the lay person, I- explain what a TUE is and, and why a rider would apply for one first one and what benefit they could derive from one of them. Yeah, sure. So most people would know that there's a list that the World Anti-Doping Agency has produced of all the drugs that people can't use. They're, they're the banned drugs. They make some exceptions. In cases where an athlete has got a medical condition that has failed to respond to all legal forms of treatment, if a team doctor or an athlete's doctor 
recommends that the only drug that that athlete can use is one of the banned substances, then what happens is the team and the athlete will apply for one of these TUEs, therapeutic use exemptions. And if the committee of the sport, so there's a separate committee that they apply to, if they agree with it, then the athlete gets permission to use a banned drug without necessarily being caught for it. So now the athlete, like in this case Brad Wiggins, has been granted an exemption to use a drug which under any other circumstance would get him banned for failing a drugs test. But because he's got this document supposedly signed off first by his team doctor, then by an independent panel, he cannot be caught for, for that particular drug. The problem is, as I'm sure anyone can appreciate, is that as long as you've got an athlete willing to cheat, a doctor willing to either turn a blind eye or be complicit in the unethical cheating process, and a panel who reviews it that is either incapable or unwilling to contribute to, to catching it, You've got a, a loophole for doping, and that's what this fancy bears hack has made people question is, is the system doing what it's supposed to do, which is to give athletes with valid medical problems access to drugs to treat their conditions, or is it just a loophole that's allowing them to use drugs without getting caught and punished for them? And, and, and I don't know how far from one extreme we are to the next, but there's no doubt that the system is being exploited by a good many athletes and teams. Ross, I, I sit here just listening to that, and, and I, the, the line has got to be drawn somewhere. That, that for me, is, is the issue here. That if, if someone is as suffering from a condition as Bradley Wiggins says he is with, with asthma and there's no other way to treat it, surely there comes a time where, where medical practitioners should be saying to someone, you know what, you're actually not in a state to be racing at this level, and if that's what it needs for you to get there, then you shouldn't be racing. And and it's it's a difficult one to, to have to do, but the line has to be drawn. You, you mentioned the loopholes and, and, and getting around. It's almost a case of it's, they're softening the blow and, and allowing doping almost. Yeah, that's exactly where we are with the controversy. So the interesting thing about that is Team Sky, for whom Wiggins was riding at the time, have also had Chris Froome, as you would know, win the Tour de France now. He's the defending champion, having won it this year. They've got a line on the jersey, and their position, publicly stated from 2011 onwards, was they, they, they used their jersey and they said, do you see this blue line on our jersey? That is the line up to which we will push and we will not cross it. And that was... Literally, their positioning as a team was that they were going to do everything by the book, but they were never going to cross what they called that thin blue line. And what has been revealed over the course of the last 10 days to two weeks is that they're very much on or over that line. So, so that's exactly the issue is that there's a, there's a line that we have to draw. Now, with respects to Wiggins and, and even to Chris Room, you've got these cases of guys who are being prescribed what are actually incredibly powerful drugs. This is not the kind of stuff where if you're having a little bit of hay fever, you walk into your pharmacy and he gives you some antihistamines and, and you go off. These are actually incredibly powerful drugs to treat serious medical conditions almost as a last resort. We've seen in the last week medical specialists who deal with respiratory diseases and conditions are saying they would not use the drug that Wiggins got unless they were dealing with an extremely severe case of asthma. Now you're talking about someone who's got extremely severe respiratory problems 
and is going to go out and win one of the most demanding endurance events in the world, the Tour de France. And it happened for Chris Froome with a chest infection, and it's happened for Brad Wiggins with his allergies and, and asthma in the Tour de France. Now, that's just, I cannot reconcile those two things. Is a person who's so sick that normally a medical doctor would have you in on bed rest treating you with a powerful steroid, and these guys are cycling at the very limits of human performance in, in one of the hardest sports events in the world. So I, I don't think that athletes who are taking these drugs should even be contemplating exercise, let alone dominating. It's, 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 it's so far beyond where that line should be that I think it should be outlawed completely. And, Ross, the lines are very blurred too. In, in Sunday's interview on the BBC on the Andrew Marr show, he was Bradley Wiggins was asked about this particular drug, and was it was put to him that David Miller was was using the same drug, and and Wiggins turned around and said that yes, but they were abusing it. This is for a medical reason, and for me that was a was was a telling statement that it's who who decides it's it's is it the athlete who decides that they were you abusing it and and I'm just using it for 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 medical reasons or or is it the governing body and and I think that's the issue that we're sitting with today is is no one's actually prepared to say where that line is yeah exactly so I mean Wiggins pointing the finger and saying he's abusing it I'm not aside from you know it, it's also just contradictory because Wiggins in in the same set of interviews and so on said that they'd applied for that TUE to use that drug, not because he was suffering from a major condition at the time, but because they were nervous that he would suffer in the future. And so they were almost using it preventatively, which you can't do in the first place. So that's, that's abuse of the system anyway. But, but to then argue that that's, that's different from what Miller was doing, I would say that Miller probably could point the finger and say, you know what, it's the same. Lance Armstrong used the same drug in 99. When David Walsh, the journalist, first got onto Lance Armstrong, it was for this very drug that Lance failed the test for and then got a, a backdated <laughs> DUE for in 1999. It was the first smoke to David Walsh. Now, this looks the same to me. So, so I agree that the whole system needs to be questioned, but I think in this case there's, there's detail around Team Sky's position and what we've been told from that team over the last five years which puts the spotlight specifically on this incident. Yeah, it's like Groundhog Day all over again, unfortunately, but uh, I think there's a lot more to come, and uh, we'll watch the space very closely. Professor Ross Tucker, thank you so much for your time once again here on SAFM. Much appreciated. We look forward to catching up again soon. As always, good chatting. Thank you. SAFM Sports Wrap. And that's it for SAFM Sports Wrap tonight. The talk shop coming up next. More sport for you tomorrow morning on AM Live. I'll be back tomorrow afternoon on PM Live from myself and my producer, Javon Tetti. Thanks for listening. Right now it is 7 o'clock in time for your news.